Welcome to The Loaded Goat, your podcast about the Andy Griffith Show. I'm Aaron. And I'm Christopher. It's good to see you, Christopher. How are you? You holding it? You hanging in there? Doing all right. It's uh, it's snowing here, and that's that's been a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a letdown. I, you know, I used to get excited about the snow when I was a kid, but when you don't get out of school anymore or you don't get out of work, the snow's not as exciting as it used to be. Yeah, we just had the sun come out for the first time in, in maybe two and a half weeks. So I, I'm thrilled. Today's a good day. It's a good day in Mayberry. Well, good. I think it's important good for, for you. us. Good for you. Happy to. Let's celebrate. This is the week that our podcast went live. And so officially our listeners are listening to famous people. We finally, finally have credentials and six followers on social media. I think we have more than that, don't we? No. <laughs> No, we actually only have six followers. Yeah. Okay, well, hopefully, hopefully by the time this thing actually runs, we'll have more followers than that. We do have our first question um, or our first comment. It uh, comes from Brian W. in Washington, D.C. It says, howdy, first time caller, short time listener. I'm curious, why do a podcast about the Andy Griffith show? How does it reflect the national conversation today on race as well as political extremism? Values that the Andy Griffith show did espouse treating each other with respect, being decent to each other, respecting other people's beliefs and other people's opinions, and treating everybody equally, I think are still as relevant in the in 1960 as they are as they are today. And I do think give us some sort of insight and guidance on how we should how we should approach other human beings. That's how I approach you, Aaron. So thank you for your for your guidance. I appreciate, no, I, I appreciate that. Let me just tell you a funny story about a friend of mine who trolled me in a, in a job that I was working with. His name is Ryan. Um, from He's from outside of Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. And one time when I was writing for a boxing website called The Sweet Science, um, I was doing, used to write for them. And he wrote, uh, he wrote a, um, to, to the editor and he said i want to complain about aaron talent's writings i find his writings about as enlightening as being in a cave without a flashlight and, um, he said i don't understand why you published this guy's work and then my editor sent me the email to, and said here's a message from an a-hole and, um, and then i just said oh well i know this guy thanks thanks but um you know I appreciated the fact that at least uh, the editor was like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And not that, well, you know, public outcry is such, we have to let you go. That's too bad. Um, if you were still at that job, I, I want to align with, with this friend and, and probably start sending in similar, similar feedback. Well, there you go. All right. Should we start the show? Start the show, baby. All right. So today we're doing the gentleman crook and this is, uh, we're still at episode 21 in the first season. Uh, so we open and Andy is telling Opie the story of Jack of the Beanstalk. And this is another example of Andy Griffith's storytelling skills. It's a Southern fried version with possums and, and, and whatnot. And both Opie and Barney are mesmerized. He mentioned, I think, in, in this pone, which is a type of food, right? What is that? I'm sorry? What is pone? Is that pone? Oh, pone is a. If I'm not mistaken, it's it's a it's a corn dish. Gotcha. Okay, I like corn. Yeah, that's all I had from that story. I mean, my introduction to 
to Jack and the Beanstalk is Into the Woods, the musical, which is also a beautiful story with great music. I'd recommend it if no one else has listened to it. You know, I've never seen Into the Woods, but it's a lot of it has a lot of fairy tales, right? Yeah, it, it's a it's an aggregation. It's it, it's beautiful. Gotcha. Good to know. So we're at the jailhouse. Aunt B is packing up lunch and is leaving. Barney is practicing his gun drawing. And once again, Barney's gun goes off and wakes Otis up. So Barney was talking about how he practices drawing a gun so that he gets good at it. And I feel like this was a little Malcolm Gladwell. He's just trying to get his 10,000 hours in. What do you think? Do you think he read the book? Uh, Since Malcolm Gladwell was probably a little kid back in 1960, no, I would say I would say not. If if Malcolm Gladwell was even, I don't even know how old Malcolm Gladwell is, but I, he was not writing books in in 1960. So no, I would say not. But um, I don't think Barney was trying to get his 10,000 hours in. I, but and I don't really know what his reason for was for, for practicing gun drawing. Because you never, it's you know, Aaron, you remember. You know, team sports, the coach is always saying, you got to keep your fitness up because once you get tired, the first thing to go is your finesse. Maybe I got that. I don't know. Yep. I should be tired. But you practice in your the technique. basic skills so that when you get tired, you can keep your technique and draw. And so let's picture Barney's on a big wild goose chase. He's running, he's running, he's running. He doesn't know how to draw his gun. He's got to make sure that's committed to muscle memory so that he can get it done and save people's lives. Well, Barney has a lot more hours to work on uh, to work work through this because his gun goes off as as it often does. It wakes Otis up. Um, Andy is pretty upset. Um, until it turns out Barney's already lost a couple of bullets in the laundry, um, and he's Andy's almost about to not give. He's almost you know on the verge of not giving him another bullet, but Andy. Barney pouts and Andy kind of acquiesces and gives him another bullet and tells him when he sends the shirt to the laundry to unload. I am a, I am always guilty of not emptying my pockets. And so I can somewhat relate to how Barney, you know, what Barney's going through. But I also think Andy's not wrong to, to withhold the bullets. I would have put him on a probationary period. Yeah. Do we need to talk to you, talk about what, what, why you're, you don't, um, unload your pockets before you do a wash? I don't think we need to get into it. I'm just never going to learn is the long and the short. Fair enough. Well, here's to all the, everything that gets washed, all your receipts and all your paperwork that gets washed over the rest of your life. Yeah, here's to. So we get a call from the state police. Um, Andy learns they're bringing in gentleman, gentleman Dan Caldwell, a famous crook and con artist. And Barney all of a sudden acts like Beyonce is coming to stay at the jail. And he starts cleaning up the jail, runs Otis out. Otis is deeply offended um, and then tells Andy that maybe he ought to put on a tie. I also, I mean, I love, this is a great, Otis is a fabulous character. Otis's line, report a robbery. My blanket was stolen. It's a good line. Good, good stuff, line. yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, so then we come back. Caldwell's arriving. He is truly a gentleman crook, uh, just about the way he's acting. He's played by Dan oh. Tobin, a character of a character actor in 50s and 60s television. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there just for a second. I was really surprised at the way he was brought in. He is not in a state issue uniform. He wasn't handcuffed. He's just ushered in. I know that he isn't like He's a flight risk for sure, but you'd think that there would be some sort of some sort of 
indication that he has been arrested. You would think, and the and one question I always have on something like this is, why do they have to stop in Mayberry? I mean, I know that he's going to he's going to another jail, but why not let him stay at a you know make him stay at a larger county jail or in a larger spot? I mean, what is so significant about Mayberry? Wow, Aaron, I never thought I would hear those words coming out of your mouth, and I want to take this moment to pause from our recap to apologize to our listeners. There's a lot that's significant about Mayberry, Aaron, and that's the reason we're doing the podcast. I see. I was just really talking about from a um, logistical standpoint, not uh, not why Mayberry, but why Mayberry in the vicinity of all of the other towns that you're driving through and all of the other jails that you could choose from. Everybody knows that Mayberry is on the, on the road from, from Raleigh to Alcatraz. You're right, I suppose. If you are traveling from Raleigh to Alcatraz, you will go at least past Mayberry or through Mayberry. That's what I'm saying. That's my boy. All right. Well, needless to say, they go to the they go to Mayberry. Gentleman Dan Caldwell is dressed dressed to the nine. He gives the state Love trooper a cigar. Beautiful jacket. Yeah. Dan or the state trooper? Uh, Dan Caldwell's. Uh, Dan Caldwell's. Okay. Well, he gives the uh, state trooper a cigar that's per, that is hand rolled in Tampa. Um, and then he is, is standing there. Hand rolled cigars. Actually, they are. Actually, oh. you, actually, that was that was a thing um, because a lot of the um, uh, Cuban American population. I mean, obviously, a lot of them. A lot of the Cuban Americans live in Miami, but a lot of them moved to Tampa. There is a small um, area in Tampa called Ybor City, which had a um, large Cuban population, and they actually have the oldest restaurant in Florida is in um is in is in um is in is in ybor city it's called columbia and it is a or columbia either columbia or columbiana and it is a it's an amazing cuban cuban restaurant oh interesting i've never been there but that explains why yeah. why uh, tom brady went there it's for the cigars easy to sell for the cigars yeah i don't know are cigars in the tv 12 diet i'm not i'm not really sure that they are if the man's not eating shaded vegetables i don't know if he's if he's smoking <laughs> smoking cigars, cigars are, on a regular basis cigars are rolled in butter lettuce yeah okay so um andy sizes him up he is not impressed i mean in fact he's almost wouldn't you would you say as he's looking at him he's a little disgusted with him yeah, he knows he he knows who he is, and he also is grossed out by the the way that you know Barney, his deputy, is smitten with him, and you you see in this moment, Barney's excited because right they're on the map. They've got this big criminal coming in, and it's a big thing for them to have the security to take on somebody like this. I think I do think that that's what Barney's excited about at the beginning, but then you see the shift of Barney falling for this guy's trick, and I think that that's that's where Andy starts to get annoyed. Yeah. And speaking of him following, falling for, um, falling for, for Dan Caldwell's tricks, um, he's asking for his autograph. He's falling all over himself. He's running to get the buy this guy some cigars. All in all, he's acting like a real goober. Absolutely. And you also see, you know, I might be jumping ahead here a little bit, but when Andy and Dan are doing their one-on-one -on -one talk where it gets a little fierce after everybody else has left, there is some good cinematography here and you see the shift of the angle so that you're looking at Andy from behind bars and Andy is trapped here, not to get a little, not to get a little too 
too ridiculous here. But but Andy's trapped and he's visually behind the bars because Aunt B has fallen for him, Opie has fallen for him, Barney's fallen for him, and this guy is really the one that holds the cards. And that's yeah. not a position that any sheriff likes to be in. Definitely not Andy Taylor. Not at all. <clears throat> and so he how does he do that? He's telling Opie the story of Babyface Nelson's prison break. Um, Barney's sitting at the table mesmerized. Aunt B is flattered by him, but she comes in and takes Opie away. And that, to your point, is where we see Andy speaking with Caldwell, who basically just implies that he's playing all of them and there's nothing Sheriff Taylor can do about it. I got the vibe that Caldwell, you know, we don't know Caldwell's history other than the Toledo something or other and the different stories that Opie talks about. But to me, Caldwell seems like a Chicago like mobster from from the 20s. Okay, he doesn't strike me that, that way at all. Actually, he strikes me more as a con man that you would see in in movies, but also they would always show these type of people in America's Most Wanted or Unsolved Mysteries where he's going in and meeting and, and basically swindling rich widows out of their life savings. Ah, the old, were you a Lost fan? This is what Sawyer basically was. We find out. I was not a Lost fan. I'm familiar with the show, obviously, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, but but um, but yeah, I know. But yeah, exactly. You see that type of character in in so many shows. From here on out, I'm going to call Dan Dan Caldwell Sawyer, and it's going to be for the three people that also watch Lost and the Andy Griffith Show. But go ahead. Well, well, that's that's uh, that way to way to segment our audience. I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's big um, enough. We can afford it. Yeah. So, so we go, we go to commercial after Andy's disgusted, we come back, Andy has made Caldwell a really nice meal and is dressed very, um, very elegantly. And Andy goes to tell Opie a story and Opie wants to hear a crime story. So Andy's just getting, getting fed up with, with everybody and how they're falling all over um, Dan Caldwell. Opie has and then we such... go to the J. One, one quick thing here. Opie oh, has ahead, such good little boy sass here. He's like, mm, yeah. my dad's going to love me no matter what. I'm going to get up. I'm bored with this story. I'm going to drink my milk. I'm going to put it away. I'm going to go upstairs. I feel like when you're five or six, don't you, do, don't you think you can actually get up from almost any conversation with impunity and everybody's just going to think, well, story became boring and this kid has a short attention span. Yeah, it's fabulous. I'd never, I didn't think about it until I saw it in this scenario, but I do miss that freedom. I mean, I really didn't even realize what I had when I was five or six. I didn't realize that ability would all of a sudden go away and I really should take advantage of it when I could. I'm going to walk away from this conversation at any moment just to just ask if you start going on too long. Well, I'll try to keep this brief. Thanks, folks. I, <laughs> thanks for joining. Um, you'll just have to watch the rest of the episode. So um, we go to the jail and Barney shows up for a Jen Rami game. And Caldwell calls him into cons him into coming into the cell to play. And so they, they're playing. Barney says he's got an amazing hand. Yeah, Caldwell drops a card on the ground. Barney goes to pick it up. And, you know, so Barney's proud of his hand. Caldwell actually points to, real, reveals that he has Barney's gun, points it at him and locks Barney in his cell and leaves. And then Barney's just stunned. And, um, and that's then a bad, that's Aunt a bad B situation. and Opie come. That's a bad situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. 
It is so, it is so, um, it's, you know, it's Barney should be, he's hurt, but he should really be embarrassed. And here comes Aunt B. She's, um, she's shocked and really hurt that she's being told to get in the cell. Meanwhile, Opie doesn't really appreciate the gravity of what's going on, of what's taking place. And he's just mainly excited. I was mostly thinking that Opie, we're always talking about how Opie's playing things bigger than everybody else and has a greater understanding of, of the bigger picture here. And this is what I think really starts to show. He, he, it's not that he doesn't know what's going on. He just knows it's going to be okay. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, I gotta be honest with you, you know, if he's, if he's, um, if he, if he's, if he's, if he's grown up um, getting back to, um, getting back to you know Brian W from Washington D.C.'s comment, if he's if he's sitting and having a gun pointed at him and his basically de facto grandma and his de facto uncle, and he's just like, yeah, everything's going to work out for me. I mean, I think that's why that really sums up white privilege to a T. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think so. We finally figured out a better way to answer. But yeah, yes, correct. I love that. Yeah. So I really just think he's a kid and he doesn't really understand what's going on. So if we're going to come back to that, I don't think Opie's, I don't think Opie's playing 3D chess here. I think Opie is really a, is really acting like a five-year-old kid. All right. I'll accept it. So Andy comes in, um, Caldwell points the gun at him and then reveals that it's Barney's gun. He cocks it. Andy is not scared at all because he knows it's Barney's gun. He's assuming it's unloaded. So, Opie's scared. The gun's pointed at his father, um, and he's now he's realizing this is more serious than it actually than he actually realized. Um, Barney is scared too, um, and Andy's, which Andy's not really picking up on. Caldwell points the gun at him and fires, but it you know it clicks, and so he points it in the air and he clicks four more times. They go to put Caldwell back in the cell. And then Andy's just kind of like, well, you see this gun where didn't have any bullets in it. And he fires the gun in the air and it goes off. This and it a... turns out. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Then I'll say something. Continue and then I'll, then I'll go into it. No, I mean, and then Andy is, um, I mean, Barney's like, that's what I was trying to tell you. And Andy's like, okay, I got to sit down for a minute. I mean, which, you know, that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's a normal feeling. I've, I've heard plenty of stories where people have, not realize there, you know, there's somebody has pointed a gun or they've not realized there was a bullet in it. And once they realize there was, I mean, they're, you know, they're almost just shaking for the fact that they realized just how close they came to death. Overall in this episode, constantly uncomfortable by the gun safety in that office. Unbelievably reckless. What I was going to say, and this is, you know, a Netflix show that, Really, you don't want to talk about it because it ruins the whole thing. But in a little bit in this way, Andy Griffith is the roulettista. I don't know if you have seen that, seen that uh, Netflix documentary. I have not. What it was so live action. enlighten me. I don't really know how to describe it. And it's it's part magic, part storytelling, a, a real wild scenario. But it starts with with a with a fable about a guy who had never lost at Russian roulette and keeps playing and playing and playing. And this is what I think Andy was here. So, so in the, into, and, for, and for film buffs, I guess it would, the Rulatista would be Christopher Walken in The Deer Hunter, 
until Christopher Walken lost to Russian roulette. Spoiler, spoiler alert. But yeah, I mean, that's that's um, so that's what you think. Andy was very lucky that the bullet happened to be in the la- in the in the sixth chamber and not the first one of the first five chambers. Clearly something Barney had planned, you know, Barney, if he's going to put the bullet in, he's going to make sure that it's the last one chambered. I think we're giving Barney too much credit. There are certain episodes where I watch this show and I'm just kind of, and I'm just sitting there thinking Barney really needs to be fired. And it's not that I'm really kind of like, we can't have fun watching this show because we can't, but these are, there are certain episodes where Barney really tests the patient that really has to test the patience of Andy. And I think that this is one of them. This is where it's good that he's his cousin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, you know, gun, gun safety thrown out the window, <laughs> fawning over, um, fawning over criminals to the point where they, you know, end up being able to escape because of it. Um, and just, um, and almost getting your boss killed. I mean, there's, there's some real issues there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we go to the epilogue. Barney and Andy are in the office. Um, Andy is giving Barney the riot act at le- to the extent that this is this is the level of Andy giving Barney the riot act. He's not really one who yells or cho- or really chews people out that much, but he's pretty you can you can tell he's pretty frustrated with him. Barney insists that his gun being taken away was just a fluky thing. And um, he leans over to pick something up to show Andy that it was. And he comes back and Andy's sitting there and he's reveals that he's taken his gun from him. So, you know, at the end of the day, Barney has probably learned no lessons. He has learned no lessons, but we do know that Andy has a good sleight of hand and we're looking forward to the card tricks in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess there, I guess there's a silver lining to this. I mean, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not going to burn. Andy's really not ever going to go out and get a new deputy. So he's got to, He's got to make do with what he has. Exactly. Exactly. What would you say whistles here? Seven. Seven. Oh, I would give this a nine. I really like this episode. You know, I don't know. I have a, I, I, I maybe eight. I don't know. I have a tough time. There are certain episodes where I find Barney really, really amusing, but sometimes where I really think this is one where he kind of just, when he on the episodes where Barney really tests Andy's patience, he kind of tests mine too. And I don't consider myself Andy Taylor, but there are just certain episodes where I'm like, Barn, I, you know, I'm sitting here watching and I'm like, Barney, come on. And this is this is one this is one of those episodes. Okay. All right. I mean, as as I would say, I'm still I'm still maybe in a Barney honeymoon. I'm loving this. So yeah, I'm glad, glad we disagree. This is fun, Aaron. This is why we did this. And you, and you might be in a Barney honeymoon. My, I mean, you're, 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 you haven't even watched the full series once. So, I mean, you're not, you haven't even watched the f- first full season. So, my Barney honeymoon was lasted for probably twenty to twenty five years. So, you know, you've got a lot of time. To, you got a lot of time to look forward. forward so pedantic, to. but thank you for giving me a future. Um, yeah, there, there you go. All right, any final thoughts? No, I got nothing. All right. Well, you know, until then, make sure you keep your bullet in the sixth chamber. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that. All right. See you later, my friend. Bye.